Welcome to the Thrive Infertility Podcast brought to you by the Quillet Institute, your mental health resource to support you during your season of infertility. We are here to help you thrive. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Thrive Infertility Podcast. This is your host, Kathy Quillet, CEO of the Quillet Institute and Tennessee Reproductive Therapy. I'm glad to be back with y'all for another episode we missed last week because just life. Um, And so I uh, wanted to talk about something today that keeps coming up a lot in my office. And I get to be a speaker at the Waiting and Hope Conference. If you haven't, go to my social media, follow the link and sign up. I'll also put the link in the notes here. It's going to be a great conference. Um, If you and your partner want to want to sign up for that. It's going to be a good, just enriching, honest look at infertility and what that does to our marriage. It's all about waiting well. And so if you find yourself in that season and need, you know, just a, a refresher or an encouragement, um, may I encourage you to join that. I got to be part of a sex talk with that all about, you know, how to, uh, invest in your relationship well, by way of the bedroom. And I think we can all just uh, bobblehead along, right? When I say that sex and physical intimacy is definitely something that becomes a job. It is something that infertility robs from us. I remember going through our own season of infertility and people just being like, well, you get to have lots of sex, right? And I think that sentiment for all of us having gone through infertility or still going through infertility, we can say, yeah, we do get to have a lot of sex, but it's calculated, it's timed, it's not always the most romantic because it's more about doing a job than meeting the need for connection. And so I just wanted to pop on this week and talk about just talk about the importance of physical intimacy. Talk about the importance of talking about physical intimacy. You know, a happy couple attributes 15 to 20% of their happiness to a good sex life. Say that again. A happy couple attributes 15 to 20% of their happiness to a good sex life. Now on the, on the opposite side of that, a disgruntled Disgruntled partners said that bad sex accounted for 50 to 70% of their problems. So 15 to 20 say that happiness is part of having a good sex life. Where unhappy relationships, 50 to 70% said that they were disgruntled because they weren't having good sex. Sex is a big part of it, right? A relationship. And When we start a relationship, when we're young, we think marriage is going to be awesome because we get to have the connection all the time with one partner in a monogamous relationship for the rest of our life. And that seems enticing and safe. I remember, and I've written this in Not Pregnant and I think in Peace and Fertility also, I remember my bridal shower when my mom's friend Karen was was demything sex inside of marriage for me. And she said, Kath, for the first year or for every year of your relationship, put a quarter in a jar. 
And she said, the first five years of a relationship, you're going to have lots of quarters because you're going to be having lots of sex. And she said, I want you to spend that money for an anniversary dinner. And she said, for the first couple years of it, you're going to have enough money for a steak dinner. You're going to be able to have enough money for a romantic date with your, with your husband. And she said, then after years five and on, that money is going to start dwindling and it's going to be a little bit more difficult to do much more than a Burger King combo meal because sex and the busyness of life gets in the way. Maybe children will get in the way, maybe, you know, stress, maybe sickness, maybe whatever, something's going to get in the way. And those quarters are just going to account to a combo meal. And I shook my head and was like, Karen, that's not going to be me. The more I sit with couples, the more I know that to be true, except for in the middle of infertility, right? We can go out after all the calculated sex we have to have to the, to the fanciest of meals, but we have nothing left to talk about besides infertility, of course. It becomes something that is a focus in our relationship, but not the best. We're not the most maybe horny or sexually satisfied couples anymore. We're the ones that know when we ought to have sex and we execute it accordingly with no less or no more romance than a Petri dish in, in your local clinic. I was visiting a clinic, I'll say in this last month, in case somebody has to, happens to be listening from that clinic, and I saw a nurse walking down a hall with a man with a cup, pointing him to where he needed to go drop off his sperm for whatever procedure was ahead of him. Now, I don't know that man's name and I don't know what procedure was about to happen, but I thought, doesn't that just boil it all down? That's what it's about. It's about a science experiment of egg and sperm hopefully meeting successfully and no more romance in what was about to take place. I'm sorry for that visual, or even if the idea of a sperm deposit, semen analysis, makes you squirmy, or maybe you've been taught or conditioned to feel that talking about sex is uncomfortable. But let me just tell you that that's also where it has to start. A good sex life starts with being able to talk about sex. I remember sitting with, and I know I talked about this on a podcast before, but I remember being in grad school, so studying marriage and family therapy, and there was a guy named Bill who was probably 15 years older than I, and he was married and I was single, and I said, Bill, it looks like you have a great marriage. And I said, what's your secret? And here we are sitting in marriage class, and so I thought, you know, as green as I was in relationships, that he was going to say something like communication or you know, serve your wife or something like that. And he said, you know what, Kath, it is? It's 24-hour foreplay. And I laughed about that through my next single years until I got married. And let me tell you how much sense that now makes. A lot of times, especially when infertility creeps in, it's like, okay, it's day 14 of my cycle. Pants off, sailor. We need to make a baby. There's no more emotional intimacy or physical intimacy there. It's about procreation at best. 
But even then it becomes a little bit more of a trauma to have to do this over and over. I remember telling my husband, I don't want to have sex because all, it hap all that happens is we end up populating heaven. So sex might mean for you, and I'm going to get back to Bill's comment in a minute, but sex might mean pain for you if you have a diagnosis. Since sex might mean the reminder that your husband has no sperm. Sex might mean populating heaven, or it might mean in 14 days we're going to have a negative pregnancy test where we're going to cry again on the, on the tile bathroom floor. So who wants to start there? Who wants to have sex? We long for emotional intimacy. We long for physical intimacy. But why, why can't we get there sometimes? Let me just say that sex doesn't have to start in the bedroom. Sex does a lot of times when we're like, okay, honey, we got to go make a baby. It's day 14 and the trigger shot says now's the time. So let's get after this. What if sex that day or sex any day when we have to, have to or desire to be physically intimate, what if it started in the morning? What if it started with, uh, hey, honey, I'm going to be thinking about you all day and I'd love to be intimate with you later. What if it start, started with a long kiss or an extended caress before you left for work? What if it in the middle of the day there was a text that said, I'm in an office building full of women and all I can think about is you. You are the most beautiful woman to me on the planet. What if it started with earlier in the day, honey, you are the best man for me. I love you and I crave intimacy with you. You know, I've heard it said that men are a little bit like a microwave sexually and women are like a crock pot. We need to get started earlier in the day when all you have to say to a woman is boob and they're ready for sex. What if we did a little bit more of this 24 hour foreplay? So we get our emotional intimacy started earlier in the day so that our physical intimacy can be an overflow of the closeness that we have with our partner. Sexologist, my, I'm sorry, it's M-A-J Wiseman says, sex and stress do not mix well. You simply cannot have a head full of 120 worries while also having great sex. When women, especially this one's for you because men do a much better job at compartmentalizing. But women, when you get into a physical place with your partner and you're ready for sex, even baby making kind of sex, what are you overthinking? Are you so far in your head wondering, are we doing it right? Is this going to be our month? Do you think that trigger shot actually worked? What if he can't get it up? What if he doesn't ejaculate on time when it actually works? Do we actually have to orgasm together? Should I put my knees up at the end? or my butt up at the end? How long should I lay on my back? Should I take a shower after? Should we do this again tomorrow? If you're thinking of all the hypotheticals while you're trying to be present and emotional with your partner, it's just not gonna work. What do you need, sister? What do you need, partners, to turn your brain off? Do we need a glass of wine? 
maybe not all types of times of the month. Do we need a massage for relaxation? Do you need your love language met? Do you need him to give you some quality time first? Or do you need to give him some additional physical touch that's not just the part of intimacy that makes a baby? Maybe your foreplay needs to be a little bit longer for your both to be able to emotionally and physically show up for this. But women, do what you can to close all the browsers on the internet of your brain. It's like we function all the time with a hundred browsers open and we can't focus on one thing, but if you can just leave one browser open and not just being presence with your partner for 20 minutes, it doesn't mean we have to let everything else go, but it means we're going to be present where we need to be present for the sake of your relationship. You know, I've heard men say before that they feel really used in a sexual relationship, that they, they do desire to feel emotionally connected first, doing more than, hey, honey, it's day 14, we have to have sex. We did the trigger shot. It's time. Uh, we need to have sex right now. Men also need to feel that they are more than just sperm to you. I know that seems so silly that a man feels used, but they do. They can 100% feel like you just need them for a sperm deposit rather than your desire for them. Men desire, desire. And women desire the emotional connection, right? So we have to work on this from both sides. You know, I've heard it said that in the same way, a woman is body conscious, a man is soul conscious. Sisters, they fear rejection. They fear not being able to show up well for you. They want to initiate. They want to maybe sweet or whisper sweet nothings into your ear and make you feel aroused and enjoyed. But they can't do it when they're constantly being rejected, right? In the same way we fear rejection over our same or over our body. They fear rejection at their pursuit of us. If they pursue us for sex on a day when we're not ovulating, don't reject them. Say yes, enjoy physical intimacy. Work on physical intimacy with each other on days that you're not ovulating. Yes, after ovulation, you're gonna be consumed with a two week wait. And then you're gonna be consumed with, you know, do I test or do I not test? And then I start my period and then I wait again. And during my wait to start my ovulation, I'm going to be depressed and so frustrated that it started again. If you can find time for you guys to enjoy sex together when it's non-ovulatory, something that I ask my couples a lot when I work with them, what turned you guys on at the beginning of your relationship? What made you keep going back for sex before infertility? 
What made you crave the other person's body? What did you guys do together that was hot just for the two of you? Go back there and talk about it. Was there something that you guys did to pursue each other? Was there a role play? Was there something that turned you both on that you did it that you enjoyed together that was just for the two of you? Talk about it. Reminisce about it. Reenact it if you can. Go back there. Couples that look back at the beginning of their relationship with fondness have a higher capacity for strength now and have fondness for the future. Okay. That, that research is by the Gottman Institute. I'm not making it up. If we can look back fondly, then we have something to pull from when it's hard. So go back and talk about what that was for you and try and bring in, reincorporate that back into your relationship now. I want to give you some homework with your partner. And yes, going and having good sex is obviously important, but start with a conversation. And here's some ground rules. Be kind and be positive. Don't say, well, I don't always like when you do this, or you used to make me hot when you did this, or I wish you could be this for me again. Don't point fingers. Be kind. I love you. I want to be intimate with you. I love it when you do this to me. I love it when this, I miss this about us. How can we get back there together? Be patient with each other. You might be doing a fertility something, a fertility treatment that makes you uh, postpone your own intimacy for a while. Be patient. She might be having terrible pain or not be able to have sex after a miscarriage. Be patient with each other. This is you guys acting out your oneness in a romantic way that nobody else gets to join you in. So be patient and also be accommodating. Don't just listen, but act. Listen with more than your ears. Listen with behavior that says, I hear you. I want to be respectful and responsible with what you've said. And I want to help us get there together. Sex is going to be something that we're going to grow in as couples until death do we part. Hopefully we're having sex that long, right? How can you continue to foster emotional safety in intimacy? I always say that after infertility comes either childlessness or children, hopefully the latter. So we got to work on all of this now because when you've got a baby breastfeeding at 4 a.m., you're not going to feel like sex. It takes a long time for a woman's body after birth to feel like hers again. Men, there's a whole new sexual frustration probably coming for you down the pike. So let's work on this all now so that we can continue fostering intimacy now so that we're, we can continue to grow in it later. If you guys need more work around this, give me a call. I'm happy to schedule with you, whether you're in Tennessee for Tennessee Reproductive Therapy or not.
sign up for Waiting in Hopes conference if you're interested. It's virtual this year and it's at your own pace. And so you don't need to do it just the weekend that you would sign up for. If you need further help, let me know. Know that I'm here for you. And if you need resources in your own area, let me know. Y'all, I'll be back next week as always, except for last week, I suppose. I've got some good content uh, coming up with some new professionals upcoming. I hope that you have a lovely week. Go invest in intimacy with your partner. Have a great week, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Thrive in Fertility brought to you by the Quillet Institute. Don't forget to check us out online at thequillettinstitute.com or at the Quillet Institute on Instagram and Facebook. Have a great day.